experience Subliminal SF. It is the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. It is high noon, and I am not high enough. LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, is on her way in. She will be here. We will be discussing today's news, etc. We are also training a new show. Uh, We have Paolo in the house. He's going to be populating actually the early morning right before the AltaCast here at Mutiny Radio. Sounds lower. uh, He has a music blog and going to be some exciting musical things. So here we are at the AltaCast. If you want to give us a call, 415-550-0511. And today would be a great day to do it because then I can teach him how to use the phone. So call away, sweet Gail. Uh, Tate, what's going on in the news? I think the most bizarre thing is PG&E uh, going bankrupt. They're a motherfucking monopoly. How does the monopoly of the energy that's happening in California, they have no competitors, they never have, and they're going bankrupt? Seriously? What? Anyways, I think that's funny. Uh, we're going to be back in just a moment uh, with Latoya and me, your host, Pam Benjamin, on the AltaCast, bringing you... I don't know, socialist news. Not not really. Just I just happen to be a socialist. I don't really know a lot about socialism except that um, except that our president is uh, kind of after socialism right now. Oh, we're not paying everybody in the government, so why don't you start a GoFundMe and get your community to support you? Um, that's called socialism, you big dumb fuck. Seriously. Really? Yeah, now you're calling upon socialism because you can't get your shit together because you're a racist piece of dog shit? Is that what's happening? Really? Didn't mean to start ranting this early, but it's the AltaCast, so you know I'll freak out at some point. Uh, Enjoy Kope for a moment, the Japanese Bjork, and we'll be right back. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
crushed again this morning following the departure of its CEO over the weekend and the California Utilities announcement that it will file for bankruptcy. Aditi Roy is out in San Francisco with more. Hey, Aditi. Hi, Morgan. PG&E shares are down more than 48% after the utility filed an 8K, saying it plans to file for bankruptcy by the end of the month. The company saying if PG&E were to be found liable for all costs related to the 2017 and 2018 Northern California wildfires, which includes the big campfire, the liability would exceed $30 billion. That does not include punitive damages. PG&E expects its losses related to the wildfires will greatly exceed its available insurance and assets. The company says restructuring is in order to support orderly and fair expeditious resolution to its liabilities. The utility plans to file for bankruptcy on or about January 29th. Now this morning's filing follows news last night that its CEO Geisha Williams has stepped down. PG&E services 16 million customers in Northern and Central California. The bankruptcy would not be expected to affect service to those customers. It will though be likely to increase rates down the line. Remember back in September of last year, California lawmakers passed a bill which would bail out utilities facing wildfire liabilities by allowing them to ask regulators for rate hikes to cover those costs, at least for the 2017 wildfires. And in November, the campfire broke out, the deadliest fire in state history, killing at least 86 people. On January 4th, the utility announced it was searching for new directors. Since the campfire, shares of PG&E are down more than 80%. S&P and Moody's have both downgraded its credit ratings to junk. Meantime, this will be the first big event for California Governor Gavin Newsom, who just took office last week. He says he's been in touch with the utility and that responding to the utility is one of his top priorities. Hey, we're back here on the AltaCast, and uh, that was just a little news clip about um, what's happening right now in California with PG. PG&E. I, I just think it's so funny that they fucked up so badly, uh, and it was the whole fires things that, um, it was the fires. The California fire. Yeah, that ruined everyone's lives. Uh, well, and actually, it did, I mean, it, oof. and it was their fault. They, it was their fault. <laughs> they, they're the ones that started the fires because like things overwhelmed, overheated, and that's why they're going to bankruptcy is because they can't, they can't pay their uh, loans. So I like this. Well, on top of that, um, aren't some of the people that got affected by the fire um, suing as well? Right, I believe, yeah. Exactly. That's why they're going through bankruptcy yeah. is they can't afford um, all the yeah stupid. You guys, it's funny, like, oh, it's your fault and you can't deal with it? Um, How many regular people, normal people, their whole lives become fucked? They lose their house, they lose everything. Or their lives. Because of money things. And it's like, so when a big corporation, something bad happens, nothing really happens. Just like, the, it was just like the the, um, the house loan buyout bullshit of the, that ruined everybody's life. Two, uh, 2007, 2008? 2008. Yeah, I crash. mean, so, and what happened? What happened to the banks? What happened to anybody? What happened to any big corp? What happened to the lending? The people whose fault it was? Nothing. 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 Um, one of them. Oh, we can. We have a. We have the stand. Oh yeah, where's that stand at? It's at the thing. Um, tell us what happened in the oh, news, and I'll get that. Oh yeah. So um, actually, one of the people that was involved in the 2008 crash, Steve Mnuchin, he works in the White House. Um, he. Um, oh, I can't remember what. Uh, he's something financial. Um, uh, 
yeah i can't re- i just re- see his ugly face but he is um thanks he is actually in the white house right now and if you notice no one went to jail uh for the 2008 crash i think maybe only one person from aig which doesn't exist anymore but you had gary cohen who was part of the um who was part of the administration who uh resigned i believe early last year um and he was part of i think lehman brothers no goldman sachs so nobody from goldman Sachs. sachs no one from lehman brothers nobody from there got no one got any time yeah and it's still affecting us to this very and day the, and the and it's <laughs> who pays the price we do we do eight hundred thousand government workers are still not they're on furlough their people are shitting in federal parks that's so funny the first thing that happens is that in federal parks everyone just starts shitting on the ground like animals like <laughs> i mean it's crazy and and i only know what's happening because um I listen to everyone's stand-up routines. So I have some idea what's happening. Oh, there are, um, a lot of people have been talking I about have, it, obviously. Yeah, about all. That's the only way I find out my news. Well, that's the only way I know what's happening. I don't know if I mentioned it uh, last week, but now it's affecting... Um, not just of course the workers but it's trickling down to like okay so for example now beer certain beer and kegs cannot be labeled and processed because they have to go through the fda oh oh, oh, you're gonna affect my beer now excuse me yeah okay well now now i give a fuck i totally give a fuck how is this gonna affect me um so yeah so basically now certain distributors or i think a lot of distributors can't even um I would have to look this up more, but I believe they're having issues like with this distribution and they can't get kegs labeled because the government is shut down. So that is going to affect, you know, it's going to affect me. It's a, it's going to affect my money. Furloughed federal workers to miss second paycheck this week. Uh, We've got live updates. What's happening with the the government shutdown that our, our, uh, that our president has caused and that they keep my dad keeps sending me okay so the worst emails this week about democrats being um the worst people in the whole world and that we should all be shot and it's all our fault they're they're not cnbc won't let me read this without clicking this thing keep ad blocker on fuck you uh the financial shock for 800,000 federal workers is about to get much worse yeah. as the shutdown drags on if the partial government shutdown continues through this week and there is no end in sight friday will mark the second paycheck missed by the affected federal workers whose household budgets have been completely upended an estimated 800,000 government employees have been caught in the political crossfire of the shutdown now in its fifth week you fucking Hunty ass. You know, here's the worst thing about it is whenever I swear, I get really misogynistic, and I hate that that's been my training, and I hate that that's the way it is. But I hate our president so much. He is everything that is exactly wrong with everything. He's a narcissist. He's greedy. How much money do you fucking need? And he's not even a talented person. He just gets all these people to work for him. He's been bankrupt himself multiple times. I know six times over. And uh, here's the and here's the thing. So much. I was reading and also listening to a lot of these people that do work for the government and people are crying there's one woman that said like she's been pawning her jury and what have you she doesn't have anything she she can't afford to go to work you know why because in order to go to work it takes what gas gas so i mean and then on top of Is that everyone's supposed to get a different job like what's what the fuck like how what are you what, what are they supposed to do 
work as be slaves I mean, Te- technically that's what it is i mean what's slavery it's definite you're working for free working, right and then there's no guarantee that these people will probably get back pay either oh my god you know and now and here's another thing i was reading i'm not gonna file my taxes well i was just getting ready to go into that so the irs is going to be having issues because if this is tax season so this means now if you are waiting for that tax refund you're going to be waiting you're going to be you're going to wait. wait there's going to be and and now they're saying we are possibly going to go into a re- recession come march oh if this God. keeps going on because eight hundred thousand people are out of work because of a what Because of the President Donald Trump's proposal to reopen the government, which outraged immigration hardliners on the right, was instantly rejected by Democrats, is headed for a vote this week in the Senate where it will probably fail. The government shutdown faces mounting lawsuits, including over uh, including over involuntary servitude. Let's listen to this thing. We're not able to play this. Uh, The financial shock is about to get much worse for government employees sidelined by the budget stalemate in Washington. If the partial government shutdown continues through this week and there's no end in sight, Friday will mark the second paycheck missed by affected federal workers whose household budgets have been completely upended. The estimated 800,000 government employees have been caught in the political crossfire of the shutdown now in its fifth week. Roughly 380,000 federal workers have been furloughed and 420,000 are working without pay. Slavery. Um, This is insane. The impact of the government shutdown on the overall U.S. economy so far has been limited, yet just as the economic effect is concentrated on furloughed workers, some companies and industries are taking bigger hits than others. Commercial airlines, for example, are facing slower demand as airports struggle with understaffed security checkpoints. Last week, Delta said it lost $25 million in revenue on account of the shutdown. The hit to overall gross domestic product in the first quarter is also difficult to quantify. Economists have come up with a range of numbers, but they agree that the longer the shutdown goes on, the wider the damage to economic growth. There there was little indication Tuesday that the standoff would end anytime soon because our president is a pile of dog shit. President Donald Trump's proposal to reopen the government, which outraged immigration hardliners on the right and was instantly rejected by the Democrats, is headed for a vote in the Senate where it will probably fail. The bill, which includes funding for most domestic agencies, has immigration provisions aimed at mollifying Democrats, but which have alienated some conservatives. It also includes money for Trump's proposed border wall, which Democrats oppose. Trump has said he would not sign a budget bill that excludes funding for the barrier. I hate him so much. I I just can't even. You know, the sad thing about it is... Until I get my way, no one gets anything. No one gets any food. No one gets a paycheck. Until I get my way. I don't know how to work with anybody because it's always my way. It's my way. It's my way. You fucking 70-year-old baby. Fucking suck the shit up. We're not racist like you. I'm sorry. In California, I'm done. I just want California to secede. We should be our own country. I'm 100% for this. Because we're not backward racist fucks. Go to SoCal. There's some racist fucks on there. Well, sure. People with money want. People with money only get to keep money if they keep people without power. Well, and in this country, money is power. And so what you do is you disenfranchise people and you take away their money. And then I mean, what's gonna happen here? There's gonna be a civil war. He's inciting a fucking civil war. I'm calling right now. He is inciting a fucking war. 
Well, I mean, what's funny is now, you know, those people who voted for him, we told you, we told you, because I was listening to some Trump supporters that are like, you know, I didn't think this was going to happen to me. Oh, you didn't think it was going to happen to you. Oh, you didn't think he was talking about you too. Just those brown and black people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those people wrong. And so now there was a man that was on CNN that was, he was, he voted for Trump and he's a Trump supporter. And they asked him about like, you know, is, are you disappointing the president? I'm like, he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't think that he was going to do this to us blah 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 and it's just like the writing was on the wall the whole fucking time the guy only has twenty dollars in his savings and he's like i think he's in his his 40s and he works um uh i think he worked for the coast guard or something but this is what's happening to people who are coast this is here's another coast guard in corpus christi texas Haley hernandez a stay-at-home mother of four and wife of an active duty member of the coast guard told the associated press she had applied last week for free lunches for her children and was waiting for ebt for electronic food stamp card in the mail this is a first for us hernandez said honestly it's pretty shameful i feel that any government employee would have to ask for food stamps of any kind of assistance like that you would think that they would take better care of their service members Hernandez yeah. said she's not sure how she'll make her fourteen hundred dollar mortgage payment. It's it's this is so uh, there there this stuff like this should not be able to happen to those people who work in the government because yeah. the senators and representatives and Congress people still get paid. Oh, are they? Yeah, and so <laughs> so what they should do? I think there are a couple of Congress members that are donating some of their money to uh, those people who are affected by this or who are not yeah. who aren't getting a paycheck. Right. So you see, like how the government workers are at below the totem pole. Yeah, you know, and the fact of the matter, the way they're being treated. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, I empathize with everybody if you're a 45 supporter or not because these people are some of the people are sick because one woman was talking about she couldn't get her son's ADHD medicine one was talking about insulin she doesn't know how she's going to afford to get her insulin you know so it's not it's some of this is like actually life and death to some people and it's all over something that just I know it's it's you don't shut down a government because of a policy because people are Republicans this, and Democrats are going back and forth. This is what happens when you idiots voted in a. He has no. He had no political experience. No, you know, no matter how much, no matter how much you hated Hillary, she was the Secretary of Goddamn State. She's been a senator. She's been in the government. Her husband was first the mother. Lady. Fuck. She was a first lady. First president. It lady blows president. my mind that rather than have. And a com- you hate. I just thought that uh, Americans hated black people, but it's really they hate women even more. That's amazing. no, they hate black people a lot. Well, there's both. But now, instead of having a qualified individual for the most important job in the United States, you dumb fucks voted in someone who has no idea what he's doing, he has no idea how government works, and now he's being a baby. And he's whining and stamping it. This is what I want. And, and I like building things. You know what? And I bet it's one of his companies or some subsidiary or some guy he wants to give kickbacks to. Why can't we build a school? You're going to spend all this money on a goddamn wall that isn't well, going to do any good for anyone well, instead of a school? He's playing for an audience of two. So how this all started was because of Anne fucking Horseface Coulter and Rush Limbaugh um, <laughs> opioid 
addict. Um, so basically, they came out with a tweet. This is before the shutdown. Uh, was Ann Coulter, uh, Ann Coulter Horseface uh, wrote something in Breitbart calling President, uh, you know, if he doesn't do this wall, he's going to lose his base and he's a coward, blah, blah, blah. And he was really hurt by that. Hence where the, the this, this is how the shutdown started because of Ann Coulter Horseface and Rush uh, Oxycontin Limbaugh. So I mean, he's playing to an audience of two. Right. And now um, the majority of Americans aren't aren't for the wall in the first place because it, it it's just a waste of money. It's absolutely. And it's a money. waste of time and a waste of money. And so th- basically now he's trying to set his legacy and what have you. Ah. Oh yeah, he's gonna set his legacy. Well, the legacy's already presented itself. We are we are a nation of racists. We, <laughs> we were built on the. the on the backs of slavery, we would not exist without slavery, and yet we pretend we're blind to the concept that we are still slaves and we're still promoting oh yeah the subjugation of people for the good of the few i like the fact that they mentioned force indentured servitude yeah so you haven't heard that since the reconstruction many <laughs> uh, many furloughed federal workers have little choice but to delay paying the mortgage or credit card debt according to a study by university of michigan economist michael gelman and four colleagues the study looked at the effects of the 2013 government shutdown on nearly 7,000 federal workers, both those affected by the shutdown and not, along with more than 90,000 non-federal workers. The research found that the median worker in the study had only enough cash or other liquid assets to cover just eight days of their average household spending. Eight days. That cushion fell to just five days of spending just before payday. The bottom third of that group had, on average, a combined checking and savings account balance of zero on the day before their paycheck arrived. So we're, t- we're dealing with people who were living paycheck to paycheck and now there's no paycheck. No Now there's paycheck. no paycheck. Uh, <laughs> people are going to be losing homes, cars. I mean, and then on top of that, some people can't... It, can't get unemployment because they're still employed right some people have been trying to do that and then the lady that we were just reading about um she was trying to get her ebt you 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 have ebt so so no uh, no. so the thing is she she, there's no guaranteed she'll get that because she's still her husband's still employed with the government and you have to make a certain amount yeah so hopefully they're put they're making like i guess like a little bit of breaks for those who are affected by this so they can get some snap benefits but that's also going to roll into the snap program is affected by this as well i think we talked about it last week um how the the snap program is worried about well food and funding right because of the government well they they gave us our benefits they gave us our benefits early um did you get a letter or anything? Or no, I just got my. They just sent me a text and said, "Hey, the reason you have more money in your account is we gave you, we gave you February now, so that we don't have to worry about it." And I'm like, "Okay, fine." Which is already scary, yeah. Because it, that means I'm like, "Well, come the end of February, what's going to happen after that?" Uh, it, this is this is crazy. Why has the government issued a second round of furlough notices? Will employees and agencies without funding get back pay? Now that the shutdown has exceeded 30 days, do reduction in force rules apply? How does the shutdown affect? I mean, there's all these. Like, I can't imagine if I would just. What, what do you do? Do you do you just quit and go get another job? 
What do you, what do, you do? Take in vacation time and look for another job. I mean, some people have been quitting. A lot of people have been still calling in. Um, definitely with TSA, they've been calling in a lot. We are not going to have any TSA people, y'all, or air ca- air traffic control. Yeah, it, it says. So, what exactly is a government shutdown? It's exactly what it sounds like. Much of the federal government gets its funding from annual budget appropriations decided by Congress, and the majority of the government has had such funding in place since the budget year began October 1st. But other agencies have been operating on a series of temporary extensions, the last of which expired December 21st at midnight. Since funding wasn't enacted for those agencies, they were partially shut down. Some of the employees working at those agencies have stayed on the job nonetheless, while others have been furloughed. In both cases, they will be unpaid until spending authority is restored. So, uh, this is 32 days. They haven't gotten paid once this year in 2019. Oh my God. Jeez. It just blows my mind. Um, And and then, you know, if they do have what's left in whatever savings, if they do have a savings, just imagine just falling back on your mortgage and your rent. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't imagine. Well, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky my my situation is 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 locked in so i'm i'm okay and i've i you know oh don't I'm worry i'm not paycheck to paycheck yeah i'm very lucky that i don't that i've saved so i'm not paycheck to paycheck i mean but the sad thing is you don't have to be a government employee in, uh, by this being affected like yeah, i tried I'm so to lucky we went to Merle Woods. I couldn't go to the bathroom. You know why? Because the government shut the down. Government I shut couldn't down. shit. Well, people have just been pooping in the, in the and, parks. And, and then with that, you know what that means? That that's when people shit in the woods like that and it piles up. Things happen. Meeting, I don't know, disease. You know, it's plagues and shit. <laughs> Keep on having shit pile up. Pelosi said that she called off the state of the union because the government is closed. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who just wrote a letter to President Trump saying she will not pass a resolution to hold the state of the union on Tuesday in the House chambers, said she did so because the government is closed. Yeah. (laughs) I love her. I didn't know Skeletor had a sister. She's a badass, though. A reporter asked her why she did not invite Trump to speak. Here's how she put it. Because the government is closed. And we've said clearly from the start when I wrote to him the second time to say, since the government is shut down, we do not. Let's work together for a mutually agreeable date when we can welcome you to the Capitol to deliver the State of the Union address. The government is still shut down. I still make the offer as for the mutually agreeable date as the original date, mutually agreeable, so that we can welcome him properly. He's, Trump says, I'm not surprised Pelosi banned me from the White House chamber look speech. At that face. President Trump was speaking with reporters at the White House when he in, was informed about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's letter informing him that the State of the Union won't happen at Tuesday at the House. I'm not surprised, Trump said when a reporter had asked him about the news. It's really a shame what's happening with the Democrats. They've become radicalized. No, we are not going to give you what you want because you want a fucking wall. Here's the thing. You don't have to shut down the, uh, the government to make policy. This is what you do. This is how you govern. Yeah. And plus, who wants... What is he going to say about this in the State of the Union dress? Ain't nothing... Ain't He's going to say, we need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to oh, build Oh, and here's another one. I think he passed it. Oh. Mitch McConnell has been hiding 
He's the uh, Republican Senate uh, Majority Leader. He's such a little pussy. I don't know who's more of a pussy, him or Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer hiding in the bushes, or this motherfucker just hiding. It's like, where's Waldo? Police arrest protesters outside McConnell's office. Capitol Police arrested protesters Wednesday in a hallway at the Russell Senate office building and outside Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's office. The protesters were demonstrating against the partial government shutdown. Well... He's he because he 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 also has the power to um, put a bill forward and pass it to um, have them uh, open the government. But he says he won't until the president. Here, we're going to listen to this fuck face here in a second. Mr. President, Nancy Pelosi just responded and she said she will not consider a concurrent resolution to have you come to the House on January 29th. Your response to the House Speaker. I'm not surprised. It's really a shame uh, what's happening with the Democrats. They've become radicalized. Uh, they don't want to see crime stop, which we can very easily do on the southern border. And it really is a shame uh, what's happening with the Democrats. Uh, this will go on for a while. Ultimately, the American people will have their way because they want to see no crime. They want to see what we're doing. Like today, we lowered prescription drug prices the first time in 50 years. They want to see that the Democrats would never have been able to do that. Huh. So we're all working very hard. We'll have to respond to it. We'll respond to it in a timely manner. Thank you very much, everybody. Oh, that guy. You sound like you're defeated. That guy. Nah. Oh. I mean. I hate that guy. Dude, it, it's. The, the crime? Thing. So really, this is about crime. Okay. This is, this is all about crime? Do you, okay, this so is, is this, this is what it's about. This is what he's. This is what he's. I'd like which, to. I'd like to see numbers on which, crime. Which, which makes no sense because if you're not paying people. Oh, and by the way, you know this affects those in federal prison. So guards. <gasps> so federal prison guards aren't getting paid. We talked about the coastal guard. They fight crime, right? I, I could have sworn they fight. I, I, I think totally. They fight crime. I, no, they do. do yeah. TSA agents. They're not getting paid. What do they do? They're, I guess they're fighting crime. This is from <laughs> New York Vulture. Uh, this is. I, I, this is uh, uh, written by Don Winslow, a, a book called The Border. He says, I write fiction about border crime, but unlike Trump, I tell the truth. Uh. Uh, for our week-long series on crime fiction, we asked two writers to reflect on the ethics of depicting violent crimes in their novels. Below Don Winslow, whose cartel trilogy concludes next month with the publication of The Border, distinguishes between his depictions of brutal border crime and the current administration's concocted emergency. Read author and New York contributing editor Adam Sternberg's essay here. Um, I'm gonna. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, concocted emergency. This. Th that's the thing. Is let's talk about a real emergency. Uh, people are still dying from opiate overdose, like at an unheard of rate. Fentanyl is running rampant in the streets. People are. I know someone from a bar that I frequent that thought they were doing some cocaine and it was fentanyl laced with fentanyl and they're dead. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't do cocaine anymore anyway, just because I'm too old and it makes me feel like so shitty the next day. <laughs> but you could be, you, anybody could just think they don't know and we don't have safe injection sites and we don't have testing areas. We should be able to test our drugs. We should be able, we should legalize drugs. We should have the, I mean... The opiate crisis is a real crisis. There are so many real crises happening, and and yet our president is focusing on this crime at the border, this border crime, which is false. Well, it's, I it's, mean, it's yeah, crime at the border. The 
they're just throwing stuff out there. Uh, just another fear scare tactic. But you know, the scary thing is people ain't getting paid. Right. That's people true. are going to be homeless. I mean, yeah. People are that work for our government. And and then you know what happens? Right. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Why do you people commit? Why do you think Crime. people? Yeah. Thank you. It tr- it trickles down. Well, my family's got to eat, so I'm going to have to rob mm. or do something in mm-hmm. order so my family can eat. Yeah. You know, yep. so so you're not fighting crime. Fighting it's the crime. opposite. You're creating crime. You're creating crime. So uh, you're a crime creator. Here's here's this guy. He says, uh, I write crime fiction. For over 20 years, the primary focus of that fiction has been on the war on drugs, particularly as it played out in the world of Mexican cartels. That being the case, I've researched and written about an extremely violent world. Now I see that world portrayed in the news every day. Its elements distorted and rearranged into fictional emergency on the border. That image doesn't reflect the reality I've come to know, the reality that I've tried to bring to the reader. When you're writing about violence based on real events, you're faced with two stark choices, both of them legitimate. You can either sanitize the descriptions to avoid the risk of exploitation and sensationalism and to make a less horrific experience for the reader, or you can write it graphically and realistically to bring the reader close to the actual experience. As I've wanted my readers to see and understand the real-life consequences of our war on drugs, I've usually chosen the latter. Not without misgivings. There is, there's a thin line with no bright white light, no concrete border, if you will, between realistic depictions of violence and mere titillation, the pornography of violence. And I've danced on that line, and perhaps at times I've crossed it. Mm. Time and time again, editors would write me notes complaining that the certain scene was too much or over the top. My response was always the same. I agree, but that's what really happened. In the novels, The Power of the Dog, The Cartel, and Now the Border, I never wrote an incident of violence that hadn't actually occurred. On numerous occasions, I refrained from writing about real events because they were too horrible. I just didn't have the heart or so excessive in their sadism that I thought readers would simply not believe them. The research was tough. I would spend entire days and weeks poring over vivid reports, autopsy photos, and atrocity videos aware all at times that all the people I saw were brutalized were human beings and not mere grist for my fictional mill. I'm not soliciting sympathy here. Journalists in Mexico have been murdered telling this story. What I'm trying to say is that the people who write about this subject, either in fiction or journalism, take it seriously and feel it deeply. I may leave the war on drugs, but it will never fully leave me. This goes beyond the ethics of writing about violence. It goes to the topic of fiction and truth. My responsibility as a crime fiction writer is to bring the reader into a world that he or she couldn't otherwise enter, or to show it from different perspectives. While I am definitely writing fiction and embrace rather than flee that description, I try to make my books realistic. When I take the reader into this world, it has to be a real world. The characters are fictional, although often inspired by real people, or more often a melange of real people. Their thoughts and feelings are fictional, although often drawn from interviews in which real people have expressed them. And the events are arranged into dramatic structure, a fictional narrative that I nevertheless hope reveals underlying truths. And so that's what I've done for over 20 years in writing about drugs, addiction, cartels, Mexico, America, and our common border. And then, come 2016, enter Trump's, Bannon's, and Miller's of the world, cynics who use real events to create a story about a threat 
that doesn't exist. <laughs> Their fiction has nothing to do with truth. The technique is similar. They take real events and then connect the dots to construct a narrative. They take actual crimes. It is undisputed that illegal immigrants have committed gruesome crimes in the United States and string them together to create a world that isn't real. The individual components might be accurate, but the composite picture is warped, to say the least. You, you might call it fake news. Witness Trump's recent televised address to the nation. Quote, America, America's heart broke the day after Christmas when a young police officer in California was savagely murdered in the cold blood by an illegal alien just came across the border. In California, an Air Force veteran was raped, murdered, and beaten to death with a hammer by an illegal alien, along with, with a long criminal history. In Georgia, an illegal alien was recently charged with the murder for killing, beheading, and dismembering his neighbor. In Maryland, MS-13 gang members who arrived in the United States as unaccompanied minors were arrested and charged last year after viciously stabbing and beating a 16-year-old girl. These are all real incidents. They are tragic and terrible, and all the per perpetrators should be tried and punished. The incidents are true, but the resulting narrative is, is false. The truth is that illegal immigrants cre commit crimes at the rate of one-fifth that of native-born Americans. It would be simple, a five-finger exercise for any writer to construct a narrative about native-born Americans that would create an overall picture of a violently criminal, of violent criminality and a genuine threat to our safety. Far from trying to avoid sensationalism, Trump's rhetoric intensifies it for dramatic purposes. Savagely murdered in cold blood. <laughs> Raped, murdered, and beaten to death. Killing, beheading, and dismembering. Emphasis, um, emphasis mine. <laughs> Instead of eschewing exploitation, Trump is precisely and intentionally exploiting victims of horrible crimes for his political purposes. I've wrestled with the exploitation issue in my own work. I've exploited... Have I exploited victims to create my fiction? Perhaps, but I hope that on, on that on balance, I've used these incidents to speak important truths about the war on drugs. The narrative that Trump and his allies create is a flat-out lie about chaos on the border. When people who live there, as I do, have reported the opposite. Not an invading horde of rapists and murderers, most of those in the caravan are fleeing rape and murder, not a rise in illegal immigration. It's been going down for years. Not the daily slaughter of our citizens by illegal immigrants, but murders that are far more often committed by our own. And that, of course, Trump's narrative disguises the biggest lie of all that Mexico is responsible for the drug problem. The hard truth is that we are. That America's per capita consumption of illegal drugs is five times the global average. That every year we send tens of billions of dollars in cash south across the border. Money that has fueled violence and that has killed more than 100,000 Mexicans. But Trump and his minions never talk about that. Far from trying to elicit the truth from fiction, they make fiction of the truth. That was written by Don Winslow, uh, who wrote... Uh, a new book in his trilogy called The Border, and he's really writing about border stuff. Yeah. We! Uh, the, the, it's our fault! We're the drug addicts! The the boogeyman. <laughs> it's us! And, and the thing is, most the... Uh, it's us. It, 
cargo is how usually drugs come in, like through ships and what have you. It's not actually through the border. The majority of the time, how drugs are usually put here yeah. into the states. And by the way, that's kind of bullshit anyway. Because who are the biggest drug pushers? The pharmaceutical companies. Pharmaceutical companies. Right. So the war on drugs that we should be perpetuating is not at our border. It's against the opiates that are being made and that are lacing all of our drugs now that are killing people. Exactly. But the thing is, people aren't going to talk about that because they're in the pockets of a lot of Democrats and Republicans. So they get their money from these people. This is why they should we shouldn't have money in politics, period. I, you would hear a lot more about the pharmaceutical companies uh, poisoning people, mm-hmm. but money talks. Money definitely money talks. So, but I even just uh, read a story recently about a. Uh, it was sad. Uh, these parents, they were. Um, I guess they were doing something with drugs. They were they were selling it, and they had fentanyl. And their little girl, their little girl got into the fentanyl and overdosed and died remember the little boy Boy, who yeah he was at the pool and he got a fentanyl patch stuck to him at some point and then it came off but he still died Died. yeah overdose now fentanyl is it's made it's a pharmaceutical drug so i don't think but they've been making car fentanyl now and they're making it in like china and stuff and sending it over here and oh yeah it's crazy um this was a recent tweet from um the idiot trump says republicans to focus border wall sales pitch on crime <laughs> president donald trump's offered his fellow republicans a new slogan in their fight for border wall funding that shut down parts of the government for 33 days build a wall and crime will fall trump <laughs> said wednesday today on twitter this is a new theme for two years until the wall is finished under construction now of the Republican Party. The new approach signals a return uh, to focus on Trump's claim that the lack of physical barrier along the southern border results in crime. After a short period where the White House sought to cast the situation as humanitarian crisis that would the wall could help rectify, Trump's comments came as a partial U.S. government shutdown continued to leave more than 800,000 federal workers with the likelihood they would miss a second consecutive paycheck. Trump wants Congress to authorize $5.7 billion in taxpayer money to build a wall? No. Billion? Yeah, that's what he was asking. Five point seven billion? Yeah. We and that, could we could have everyone go we could forgive everyone's college loans. We could give everyone free secondary education. We could we could like there I wow. But that's that's not even the majority. <laughs> that that's not that's not even gonna pay for the whole wall. That's just the starting price. I don't understand. But but even understand. even at that five point seven billion, is this a joke? Is this real? Am I awake right now? No, I've been slapping myself like, since two thousand sixteen. You're still here. This is a joke. Five point seven billion in taxpayer money. To, I'm never paying taxes again. You, you see? Now, how dare? How dare? Yeah, I mean, you you see why a lot of people are not for the wall, right? <laughs> <laughs> the majority of Americans are not for the wall. It's just those stupid inbred races that that are just so just I don't even want to but say unintelligent. Here's, here's the thing that says it's, Democrats have offered 1.3 billion to boost border security and staffing. That, yes, that was um, that makes sense. But but that was you know that that was earlier in 2018 with the DACA 
um, so they were trying to make a deal. Trying and he to said, make a deal. And so the, um, he said no. That's how so, deals work. And so now, fast forward to where we are now with the government shutdown. I can't believe so this. And this is before the Democrats take took power. That's back a, in. But that's a hand. Like you can't take the handshake deal. Your five point seven billion dollar idea is a pile of dog shit, and we don't like it. But what we're gonna do is beef up. The other the, with the people, you know, when I understand one point three dollar, one point three billion to boost border security because that's actually job creation, and I'm down, I'm down with that kind of job creation. But you want to, what you want people to, who's going to build the wall? Like you're going to hire migrant workers to build? Who, who's going to, who's going to build the wall? The first signs of movement from the Senate to reopen the government came Tuesday when Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Kentucky Republican, and Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, a New York Democrat, agreed to vote on Thursday on rival proposals to end the standoff, but neither is expected to advance. (sighs) Okay, let's talk about something else. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it anymore. It's too depressing. Is Is anything good happening in the world? I mean, I'm really thinking about I, that right now. Paolo, anything good happening in the world? Do you know any news that's happy? No, not right you now. Did, you can use the microphone. Oh, you're you're on one. I, I'm on yeah. You're on one. You don't have to be silent this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We were, you're, but uh, is anything good happening in the world that you can point to? And uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm putting, so in, I'm putting in the internet good news to see what comes out. Positive stories. Good news network. Good news, inspiring, positive stories. Well, I think you should create your create your good news by uh, living your life. No, I, instead I, of looking on the internet, create your own, create good news. I uh, mean, but I, I well, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I just want to see if there's anything like. Well, now I them. can't create my good news if it's affecting my pocketbook. Oh. That's the problem. It yeah. transfer. It transpires into that. Uh, if, <laughs> I mean, if we had a so if we you know lived more with a barter sort of system maybe oh here's some here's some this is the good news network this is the thing photo of multitasking mom at work drums up support for other working mothers that's not actually good news we should mothers should be afforded money from their job to fucking take some time she's got a three-day-old baby on her boob and she's at work fuck you that is not good news we should have Paternity leave and maternity leave that should be paid for. That people can raise their children and have a bonding moment with them before they go back to slave for fucks <laughs> and your capitalist bullshit. I mean, fuck you, good news. The first story, that's not good news. We should have we should have motherfucking maternity leave in our goddamn country. Being oh, a mom, yeah. you should get social security. Oh, yeah, the thing I harp on every week. Mothers have the most important job in the world, according to all those Christian people, and they should be staying home. We don't value them at all monetarily. We don't value no. them at all. You're absolutely right. You and get no social security. You don't even have a job. You don't. The maternity leave thing is that still blows my mind. We should have maternity. Like I don't understand if you're if you're so pro family, why not be pro maternity leave? This lady has a bad time. The baby can't even hold its head up. She's sort of leaning back and still working. Oh, Fuck you, America. And Fuck then, you. And then God, I, I mean, they don't think about postpartum, 
postpartum depression. A multitasking mom has garnered a flood of appreciation and support after her boss pasted a photo of her effectively juggling job duties with her baby girl in hand. Melody Blackwell works at Maryland Farms Chiropractic in Brentwood, Tennessee. After an oh, here we go. After enjoying three months of maternity leave with her newborn daughter, she returned to work last month. Uh, Blackwell's boss, Dr. Elizabeth Baker, has been working with Blackwell in order to ensure that her work schedule is as flexible as possible in order to accommodate her parenting duties. Since Blackwell primarily handles insurance billing for the clinic, she has been able to do most of her work from home. But when Baker recently walked past the young mother at her desk during one of her first days back in the office, the chiropractor was impressed with what she saw. In a viral picture, which Baker later uploaded to Facebook, Blackwell can be seen cradling her sleeping baby in one hour while simultaneously cradling a phone against her ear and taking notes with her other hand. She makes slavery look so easy, marveled Baker. No, I'm kidding. I added the word slavery. (laughs) Struck by her employee's casual disposition, Baker snapped the photo and posted it to the clinic's social media page where it was shared hundreds of times. Uh, okay, I'm, okay. This isn't this this shouldn't even be news, okay? Women have been doing this for centuries. We know how to multitask. The sad thing is, okay, I'm glad she at least got three months, but it takes longer for a woman's body and for a woman and a child to actually bond. Because we don't know we don't know if she has postpartum. Yeah. You you know, it takes time for a woman's body to get back together, uh, breastfeeding, all mm, that stuff. Yeah, breastfeeding. So I mm. fuck this good news. This is this is this is just this is not news. This is something we've always done as women. We're multitaskers. Here's the second good news thing, which I don't know. We'll see. It's probably a pile of dog shit. (laughs) Thinking about loved ones is just as effective for reducing stress and blood pressure as having them in the room. Okay, this is also bullshit because it's like (laughs) obsessing over the over someone else is going to calm you down. This should be called. This should call white news. Yeah, (laughs) I love love that they're using stock photos of stress. Anxiety. <laughs> Next time you're faced with a stressful situation, this new study says you can keep your blood pressure and stress levels under control simply by thinking about your romantic partner. Wait, what? And it is apparently just as effective as having your partner in the same room. Oh, God. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I know. This, this is, is the worst. So, if, like, you text them, then it's just like them. I bet you this like is, like, some, there. like, like Christian-owned bullshit okay this is a good one golden retriever leads ambulance through a maze of alleyways to save his owner all right this is a good story I like this story. Dogs are smart. Yeah. Not news. Paramedics have had a very difficult time locating their patient if it had not been for a devoted golden retriever who was waiting to show them the way to its owner. The Chinese emergency crew had received a call about a garbage man who had collapsed in a residential alleyway in Yongcheng, Shanghai province. Their ambulance rushed through the narrow alleyways. A golden retriever suddenly appeared in front of the vehicle. Instead of simply moving out of the ambulance's path, however, it started to lead them in the direction of its collapsed owner. Dashcam footage shows the dog anxiously looking over his shoulder several times in order to make sure the paramedics are following before the pup picks up speed and runs through the maze of alleyways. Here's the video. Thanks to the clever... There's Here's the video. Oh, look at him! Look at him run! Oh, God, he's running! Oh, let's watch the full video. This is so happy. We're gonna watch this is the golden retriever save a life. That golden There's the golden retriever sniffing, and here you go. He's looking over his shoulder. 
that dog. Run, run, run. He's running faster. There's a turn this way. Looking over his little doggy shoulder. Come on, buddies. Look, I'm better than dinner. Sorry, you knew I was going to make a joke about it. You knew it was coming. Dog proves his worth. Not going to get eaten tonight. <laughs> so you, we can't understand. We can't understand Chinese, but that is a happy news story. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get. I didn't mean to to, to use racist tropes there. I was thinking. Yeah, I, I, you knew I was going to say it. it, it the, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just that is kind of funny. Oh, refugee-run restaurant voted nicest place in America is now feeding furloughed workers. Okay, that's to, good. This is so nice. Now, why is that not a top story? This is so nice. Refugee-run restaurant voted nicest place in America is now feeding furloughed workers too. This refugee-run restaurant was voted the nicest place in America last year, and its latest initiative to care for the furloughed government workers only reinforces the title. Yassin's Falafel House in Knoxville, Tennessee, has been offering free meals to federal employees who have not been receiving paychecks since the government shut down in December. Furthermore, local community members are pitching to cover the costs of the free meals by making donations to the restaurant. Government employees are our brothers and sisters, and they are not going to be alone during the longest shutdown. We can't be the nicest place in America if we leave them alone. The owner of the restaurant, a Syrian refugee named Yasin Taru, has become a beloved part of the community since he migrated to the U.S. in 2011. For the last four years, Taru has used the restaurant as a neighborhood sanctuary for everyone, regardless of their religion, race, or politics. During a local candlelit vigil in 2017, Taru was praised for reaching out to a man who attended the gathering and spent the event yelling at the crowds about how immigrants were stealing American jobs. Instead of reciprocating the man's venom, however, Taru approached him and offered to buy him dinner so they could talk. And he even offered the man a job in his restaurant. <laughs> this guy is great. What a nice guy. Did the racist cracker end up taking the job? I, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, here's a little video. Or not. Oh, we can't hear it. I wonder why. Oh, here we go. Uh, volume. Here, he, oh, at the falafel shop in Tennessee was named. I'll start you know, someone right. shared something with me on sh- on social media yesterday, and I want to make sure to share it with you. I hope you remember this guy, Yassin, the Syrian refugee. We met in the fall. Remember when mm-hmm. he, at the falafel shop in Tennessee, was named Reader's Digest nicest place in America? When I went to Knoxville to visit him there, I found more than great food. I found love. The moment I walked in the door, you know what he's doing now? He's reaching out to his neighbors yet again, this time offering free meals to federal workers, not getting paid due to the shutdown and also providing it for their children. Showing your ID at the door gets you a delicious meal. The Facebook post on Yasin's Falafel House page says, we're more than happy to serve them because they have been serving us. And he adds a personal touch for the government employees that come in. On each ticket, the restaurant rings up. A special message will read, Knoxville loves you, and we love you. Oh, that is great. I know. And then a retired um, worker uh, from the federal government was inspired by this and donated $100. That's great. I mean, right. it's, 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 also the chef, Jose Andres, he's doing yes, it in Washington, yes. D.C. as well. A lot and of people are doing that. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I think that's really sweet. But you know what I want to hear? I want to hear some of these anchors and these so-called journalists, like you know, like people on GMA that have a great salary. I want them to start <laughs> donating. I wonder, you know, I want to know who yeah. who else is starting to donate. What about the senators from? What yeah. What about the actual congressmen and senators? Congressmen yeah, who I don't, mentioned that earlier. Who don't need the money? Yeah. How about How about in, since the lobbyists? Oh, okay. So how about this? The government's shut down, so you can't lobby. So why don't you take some of your lobbying money and give it? to the people or at least donate to a lot of these food banks because now they're having issues with some of the food banks and what have because they're losing they're running out of food this is a weird story instead of selling her 1.7 million dollar home a woman is giving it away to the winner of a letter writing contest <laughs> yeah that's i told you this is white people what? news <laughs> This is so white people news. If you're looking to live in a magnificent $1.7 million home in the scenic hills of Canada, then this woman is asking you to write her a letter. Ever since Alla Wagner suffered a back injury last year, she has been unable to manage the stairs of her 5,000 square foot home in Millerville, Alberta. Home care nurses suggested that she upgrade the house to accommodate her disability, but she couldn't bear to change its beloved structure. I view this home as a work of art, and I don't want to make changes that are going to compromise it. Uh, the value and craftsmanship of this home. So <laughs> she spent several months trying to sell the home, but to no avail. Instead of giving up, Wagner got an idea. Wagner is hosting a letter writing contest in which she is asking strangers to write about why they want to live in her home. The write a letter win a house contest will be accepting up to 68,000 submissions. Uh, let's fucking write. As a means of Wagner recouping the cost of her home, participants are asked to pay $25 for their application. That's interesting. You pay twenty five bucks. If she gets sixty eight submissions, sixty eight thousand submissions, that'll be doing math. Doing right the math. Now. So yeah, sixty eight thousand times twenty five. Oh, that's only it's one point seven million dollars. No, it's seventeen hundred. No, but sixty eight thousand. Oh, sixty eight thousand. Oh, my bad. Yeah, so it's one point seven million dollars. Oh, so so she'll get the money so from the house. So it balances out. Yeah. That okay. That is smart. Wagner has already started reviewing letters for the contest, and she says. She's been heartened by the submission. Just that one family will end up in this home, in this house, uh, and make it into a home for themselves and to be happy here, as happy as I've been. I know it's going to be a beautiful story in the end. Wow. It's cold up there. <laughs> it's just, all the way in Alberta. I just think this is so funny. I can't believe this is real. Here, we'll get this struggle in many cities across the country. One woman from Millerville is getting creative to get her home into new hands. Stephanie Weave explains. This $1.7 million home nestled in the rural community of Millerville, southwest of Calgary, could be yours. And you won't need to break the bank to get it. I view this home as a work of art. Alla Wagner ran into some health issues last summer and wheels herself around on an office chair. A painful condition means she could no longer manage the stairs in the 5,000 square foot home. She then put the custom home up for sale. But when there were no bites from buyers, she resorted to a creative solution. It's really what do I have to lose? Like, I have nothing to lose. I can try it. Simply write a letter, win a house at just $25 an entry. She's heard of a similar plan working in the United States and from the Hollywood movie Spitfire Grill. Galatia and I both have trouble imagining just who exactly it was taught you how to cook. The process of reading the creative writing submissions has already begun to bring her immense joy. Just that one family that will end up in this home, 
uh, in this house and make it into a home for themselves and be happy here as happy as I have been uh, I know that they are you know it's it's going to be a beautiful story in the end once the winner is announced, she says she will also donate 5% of the net profit to the Calgary Women's Shelter. She hopes the inspirational view will soon inspire others. Stephanie Weeb, CTV Holy News, Millerville. Fuck, man. Let's, let's enter a contest. I ain't living in Alberta. You don't want to live in Alberta? Hell no. Out in the sticks. Fuck you. It's cold. It's I'm from cold. Chicago. It's colder than there than yeah, there. That's true. That's why no one wanted to move out there. It's a beautiful home, though. I will say, it's, it was, it was, yeah, it is a beautiful home. But nah, that's probably why it's location. Like, where's the nearest store? I. They said it looked in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tough. Like, no one could hear me scream. <laughs> no one could hear you scream. And I feel sorry for the lady too. I can see why she's moving because, well, she looks like she needs like to be closer to like maybe like a hospital or something like that. Yeah, she's but, an old fat lady. She's uh, <laughs> Buddhist poker player donates all six hundred thousand dollars of his winnings to charity. <laughs> Buddhist poker player, you can't, you can't read him. You can't. He's very calm. <laughs> Although gambling is generally at odds with religion, this sixty-seven-year-old Buddhist is making up for his love of poker by donating all his winnings to charity. Scott Wellenbach recently came in third place at the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure Tournament in the Bahamas, earning him a whopping 671240 in winnings. Instead of keeping the cash, however, the Canadian man will be donating it all to charities such as Oxfam and Doctors Without Borders. Wellenbach first fell in love with poker when he won a free trip to Vegas in 2010. Prior to the tournament, the most he had ever won from a game was roughly $72,000. <laughs> and then he landed a seat at the Bahamian tournament. Wellenbach says his disciplinary practices often depend on the week, but he generally meditates for one hour every day and meditates much longer when he's competing in a tournament. He also admits that gambling is contradictory to Buddhism, and he believes that the game offers some key insights to religious teaching. Poker gives you a tremendous opportunity to work with the heavens and hells of your mind, says Wallenbach. You're winning and losing every minute and a half, so some sense of how your hopes and fears go up and down with the passing circumstance of the world is brought to the fore at the poker player, at the poker table. <laughs> I've actually found some um, scary but positive news. Okay, good. Um, so this is from Huffington Post. Oh. Man arrested for threatening to kill as many girls as I see on the day of the Woman's March. <laughs> um, okay, gonna... this is this is some this is more like incel news. All right. That's so funny. Okay, this poor sack of shit. Um, on the early morning of January 19th, as hundreds of women in Provo, uh, Utah, were getting ready for the annual Woman's March, local police were urgently tracking the cell phone of a man who wrote a disturbing post on Facebook because you're not going to get caught that way, stupid. This is what he stated on Facebook. All I wanted was a girlfriend, the message by Christopher Cleary began. All I wanted was to be loved, yet no one cares about me. I'm 27 years old and I've never had a girlfriend before and I'm still a virgin. This is why I'm planning on shooting up a public place soon and being the next mass shooter because I'm ready to die. And all the girls that turned me down is going to make it right by killing as many girls as I see. Wow. Poli yeah, sick individual, <laughs> right? 
Police tracked Cleary to a McDonald's and arrested him on a felony threat of terrorism charge. According to the uh, Protable Claw statement obtained by Huffington Post, he was discovered a few blocks away from the site where the women were set to gather at Provo Women's Rally. Wow. One of the several events that happened nationwide. <laughs> he, for, he, he tweeted it or he put it on his Facebook, Facebook page? He put it on his... So um, <laughs> you can't threaten people. In public, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> then you get in trouble. You dumped 27 year old. You dumb. All I, because he can't. They don't know how to talk to me. I'm just. I, I, I can't to talk to bitches. I, I just. I don't know why. They won't know. let me shoot him with my semen. No. And I want to. I'm him creepy. Yeah. I'm 27. And it's and everyone know. else's fault. But my life is so tough. I'm a 27 year old virgin. Yeah, he's probably white too. Oh no, he is. Oh okay. Yeah, he is. Yeah, oh, couple, yeah there's a picture of him. My life. Yeah, why is it my life is perfect? Because I want to be. I'm a 20. 27 year old white man oh my god look at that little fuck bag oh my god he looks like a little round like marshmallow pillow oh he does uh nobody the- wants to have sex with me and i don't have a personality because i got everything because my parents gave me a fucking participation trophy for every goddamn thing i did and no one ever taught me that i was a mediocre piece of dog shit and that i had to try a little harder or have a personality or pick up a hobby something other than playing video games or masturbating and masturbating and watching porn all the girls in porn don't like me i don't understand because it's not real maybe you should lower your standards maybe you should <laughs> Maybe you should do something. That's the thing. It's not lowering standards. It's having standards for yourself. I know. Everything be- should be handed to me. Everything should be perfect. Um, uh, uh. A professor at a um, psychology professor at a New York says um, clearly appears to definitely fall in the category of a men who identify as what incels, <laughs> uh, involuntary be celebrate. The men who labor themselves incels are members of a fatalistic subculture who think they d- that who don't think they can attract a sexual partner and hate women for rejecting them many wow. boys grow up and internalizing social norms about needing to have sex to become a real man for some failure failure in this area can trigger feelings of shame and anger white problems sometimes that rage explodes outward at women in general uh, and women. Problem. <laughs> i'm sorry no, I, I, I'm, I, just, I, I'm laughing at this because really dude Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, ser- like, uh, I, I've i been rejected, so I'm going to start m- shooting women. I think... I'm I, glad he's... I think you should start... You should try stand-up comedy first. <laughs> try. <laughs> yeah, if you want that rejection. Yeah, if you gotta, if you're going to have to deal with rejection. <laughs> Grow some balls. <laughs> Grow some balls. Yeah. What's wrong I'm with you? I'm going to get a gun and shoot you. And I'm going to post it on Facebook. Make sure, because I oh. need attention. Mommy, hold me. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Pathetic. Incels. Uh, you know who I think is an incel? Um, you know that creepy looking dude that works in the administration, Stephen Miller? The oh, one, yeah. The one who went to high school with my Yeah, boyfriend. yeah, that yeah, dude. Yeah. I think he's an incel. Sure. You just, this, just that look. Yeah, I'm stereotyping. So the reason that this kind of, I, I really think that our porn industry is, not the porn industry is to blame, but it's the proliferation of it and our. Um, society is just turning a blind eye to every 12 year old having a tiny computer in their pocket uh, also known as an iPhone or Samsung whatever the fuck you want to call it Um, they have all the porn and so they're 12 years old and they're watching all the porn and they're getting some idea in their head that this is real you know what every like 
people are shaped by their experiences and when you give that like back in my day you used to find the playboy and you'd be like centerfolds or something and at least i mean I, but i don't think I don't it no it's like perpetuating but I, that's not real either but at least that I, had some i think there's I something I, th- I think there's something wrong with people. I don't. I don't think is, it's porn. It's, no, I don't. But it's twelve-year-old boys this watching was not a, it and not having anyone to. This talk was not about a twelve-year-old boy. This is a twenty-seven-year-old man. But he's been watching porn since he was twelve, probably, and so he's got this idea that this is how people have sex and this is how women are and this is not how it's not real. I think and it, they don't have the context. I think it is. It's not even about the porn because this has been happening way before. Like you know, we had you know, we're able to like carry porn in our pocket. Right. I think it's the socially awkward don't want to take responsibility so hey i'm gonna go and start shooting up uh people now all these incels can have a community and talk crazy shit online because it is a it's a community of these fucking losers who can't man up because they're this is this is the incels these these are the people that are possibly future rapists or a rapist or pedos because a lot of the people that i've read about these incels have some sick warped fucking i mean well anytime you want to kill women you're sick and warped anyway right. but they have some sick idea of what sex is some of them have been um identified as pedof- uh, uh pedos um and sir, uh, one of them kind of glorified rape so i mean these guys are they're a bunch of fucking whack jobs they're losers yeah you need it you you know what just chop your dick off (laughs) do us all a favor chop chop your dick off or just jump a bridge i think that though that we've championed mediocrity to the point where people will say well why I deserve this. Why am I not getting what I want? Privilege? Right, privilege. Yeah. Instead of thinking like... Logical? That there's something I'm doing or something I'm not doing that's holding myself back. You, you can't blame that's, it on women. You have to... Like, girls don't like me. It's yeah. like, well, I think, why? I, because what are you doing to make yourself more attractive to people? Women are trying all the time. We're wearing makeup. We're doing our hair. Right. We're wearing we, clothes. We hurt ourselves. We, yeah, we, we don't eat. We eat too much. We cut ourselves. We do all, whatever. It's like trying too hard. And guys, I feel like a lot of times don't try hard enough. No, they they expect, right. like, like especially this subculture of incels, because ain't none of them cute. They look like they don't take a bath. <laughs> I mean, don't no woman want no funky dick. Soap. Cheese dick. <laughs> so, yeah. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth, I mean, it's, it's, the, I think it, it's so funny. it parallels to what you, you did mention this about like the, that, you know, everyone's kind of like a winner and, you know, right, everything's parents, been, yeah, every, yeah everyone's, everything's been everyone's handed perfect, to them. Yeah. yeah. And so your I think, effort is good enough. You know what? Sometimes your effort is for fuck all and it wasn't good enough. But we don't tell <laughs> our again. kids anymore. We don't tell them you're not good enough. I'm sorry. If we don't tell them when they're little, they're going to be adults and they're going to think that they're these gods of wonderment. And it's like, no. When does someone finally tell you you're a mediocre pile of dog shit? You didn't try hard enough. You didn't run fast enough. You didn't you didn't do it. You didn't have the discipline. You didn't accomplish it. You didn't write the paper. You don't get an A. You right. don't you don't get an A for your half-assed effort. And, and you get a C. 
and or you get whatever you get graded. You fail. You know what? Yeah. Failure helps yes. people grow. We have this thing in our country where we can't tell people that they failed. We can't tell people that they've disappointed us or that they didn't hit the mark. Sometimes, little snowflake children, you're not good enough. You're not fucking perfect. And your parents telling you that you're perfect all the time makes you into a 27-year-old entitled piece of dog shit that wants to go shoot up women because why don't they like me? Because you're not good enough. <laughs> you're not good enough. They're going to like his ass in jail. Like, come on. <laughs> He'll, they'll take his virginity from, from him in jail. But that Butthole. I think that we've we've made our kids so soft. It is thank you. Soft. That is some soft shit. And you're willing to kill soft. people because of your softness and your your creeping I mean soft. It's so irresponsible. It's, I didn't know irresponsibility like this could actually lead to terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> I well, mean it be It's because we're creating a we're creating a bunch of people that we, we, that's why they're like, well, it's because the Mexicans are stealing our jobs. Yeah. No, it's because you're not, you don't know how to work. Or the fact of the matter, the people that you work for probably ship that job away yeah. to well, elsewhere to cheap labor. The, the, the same. So when I was in the mar- medical marijuana industry and we were doing all the boxing and all the stuff and I was paying uh, real adults who were working hard oh, $20 an hour. Those were the days. Those were the days. But then it got moved to these 23 year old millennial kids that were they needed to be paid $30 an hour but then they weren't working because they were always on their phones what we were doing when we were bottling is a physical thing you actually have to use your hands you cannot stare at a phone you can't and they just didn't get it they didn't understand that they actually had to work and so the business tanked because the workers were stupid and it's like you when you're they demanded more money they, without doing the work. Right. And That's then they wouldn't get the work done. I just these soft, soft babies. Uh, this is this is another happy story. Millions of dollars set to benefit California wildfire relief after fifteen hundred brewers serve up special beer. After wildfires tore through Northern California in November, this brewing company was determined to help, but they never expected the flood of fellow brewers who would quickly follow their lead. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company created a special IPA called Resilience with nice. the intention of donating all its proceeds to benefit, benefit wildfire victims, or maybe PG&E. The company, of, <laughs> which is based out of Chico, near the devastated town of Paradise, <coughs> hoped Garner additional donations by asking other brewers to sell resilience to their customers. When the company launched the new India Pale Ale in November, they expected maybe 300, 400 California brewers to participate. By the time the beer was made available to the public in mid-December, over 1,500 breweries across the United States volunteered to serve up the liquid love. Oh, that's good. That is good news. The initiative is expected to raise roughly 15 million for wildfire relief, which all of which will be donated to the Golden Valley Community Fire, a community bank foundation dedicated to the victims of the campfire. Our suppliers donated ingredients to every brewery nationwide, said the brewer's website. Wholesalers and retailers agreed to carry the beer and donate every dollar they received. All of them agreed to do this for free to benefit people they've never met. That's nice. Thanks, Sierra Nevada. Yay. That's, that's, we've got some good news. <laughs> I love that. I can't stop thinking about that guy, that 27-year-old baby. I'm going to shoot him. Oh, we've, we've, I've heard some, st- I mean, I think, I, I know on the air we've talked about a couple, uh, some events about incels, but it seems like now it's starting to become like a, a regular thing. Can you explain the word incels? Involuntarily, involuntarily celibate. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Urban Dictionary incel. I'm pretty sure Ryan is an incel. Yesterday he made a Facebook post about how all women are shallow and exist to torture men by denying them sex. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a in, incel. Uh, <laughs> AKA involuntarily celibate, a person usually male who has a horrible personality and treats women like sexual objects and mm-hmm. thinks his lack of sex life comes from being ugly, which is really just his blatant sexism and terrible attitude. Incels have little to no self-awareness. Even when they see other ugly men with girlfriends, they consider these men to be tricksters who have somehow beat the system and can get women despite being cursed with unattractiveness. In other words, they're respectful to women and women are attracted to their personalities, but incels can't comprehend such a phenomenon. They believe that women owe them sex, and many more extreme incels like to spend time in incel communities on the internet coming up with ways to make women have sex with them, often involving genocide of people of color, genocide of chads, men who have sex, taking rights away from women, raping them, having sex with women's dead bodies, and other horrid, disgusting things. They can't understand that is precisely why women want nothing to do with them. I'm pretty sure Ryan is an incel. Yesterday he made a Facebook post about how all women are shallow and exist to torture men by denying them sex as if sex is something people deserve and not a privilege given by a potential sexual partner that they should be respected. There's the incel. Necrophilia? Ew. Right? You're going to stoop to the... I mean, rape is bad too. See... Mm-mm-mm. It's an online subculture who deny them, who define themselves as unable to find romantic or sexual partners despite desiring one, <laughs> a state they describe as inseldom. Self-identified incels are largely white mm-hmm. and are almost exclusively male heterosexuals. Discussions in incel chat forums, subreddits, and dedicated websites like incels.me are often characterized by resentment, misanthropy, self-pity, self-loathing, misogyny, racism, and a sense of entitlement to sex in the endorsement of violence against sexually attractive people. <laughs> At least four mass murders resulting in 45 deaths have been committed in North America by people who have self-identified as incels or who have mentioned incel-related names and writings in their private writings or internet postings. Mm-hmm. Oof. It started in 1993 when a Canadian college student known only by her first name, Alana, created a website in order to discuss her sexual inactivity with others. The website, entitled Alana's Involuntary Celibacy Project, was used by people of all genders to share their thoughts and experiences. In 1997, she started a mailing list on this topic and used the abbreviation IN. V-C-E-L, which was later shortened to incel, where it was defined as anybody of any gender who was lonely, had never had sex, or who hadn't had a relationship in a long time. During her college career and after, she realized she was queer and became comfortable (laughs) with her identity. She later gave the site to a stranger. When speaking about the website in 2018, Alana said, it definitely wasn't a bunch of guys blaming women for their problems. That's a pretty sad vision of this phenomenon that's happening today. Things have changed in the last 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So there we go. It's incels. I want to see, we've got some videos. Uh, this is what the life of an incel looks like. Oh, Let's God. check this out. Stank. This is what the life of incels' worlds are like. He's smoking inside and looking at a computer box. Hi, Mom. 
Ellie, I'm going to fireball multiple government buildings, Ellie. My name is Spaft, S-P-A-F-T. I live in the United Kingdom. Within the next few months, I'm going to fireball multiple buildings. Remember that. And if you don't report me to the police, it's on your conscience, honey. <laughs> this is kind of sarcastic bit. This is a performance for the cameras and for me, a woman. Because this is a chat room of incels, virgins spread across three continents. These are my friends. This guy's name, we call him Prince. Bald already. This is a guy named Dank. He's a compulsive liar. Yeah, Joey's his vice bitch still there. Written by fuck you. And that's just how we talk, though, you know? Like, this bitch, that nigga, this, that, you know? Like, Motherfucker. Uh, it's just, like, vulgar. And you could call that toxic, but we're all desensitized to it. Most of the world was introduced to incels when Elliot Roger killed six people at UC Santa Barbara in 2014. Yeah. Police didn't have to search long to learn what motivated a 22-year-old gunman to kill six people and injure seven others. Before doing so, he posted a 141-page manifesto, mostly blaming women for not having sex with him. I will slaughter every single spoiled, stuck-up, blonde slut made him a hero among some incels. Then, in Toronto in April, Alec Manassian praised Roger on Facebook before driving a van into a crowd of people, killing 10. Alec Manassian wasn't part of a terrorist group, but it may not be as simple as suggesting he was a lone wolf. What is an incel? It's involuntarily celibate. Um, it's just something you are. You know, volcel is voluntarily celibate. Incel is involuntarily celibate, meaning you've tried many times and failed. And then there's mental cells, which is probably the best fits me, someone who, who can't form a relationship because of mental blockage. What have you been diagnosed as? Uh, agoraphobia, obsessive compulsive disorder, oh, social awesome. anxiety, social paranoia. That's not even a thing. Joey's totally 23 years Asperger's. old. He doesn't so have a job. Asperger's. He's not in school. So much autism spectrum. On a given day, he may not get up from his chair. Stop smoking. Where he sits sometimes for two days straight, smoking cigarettes and running chat rooms. Honestly, I feel more real here, sitting in front of the computer. When I go outside, I almost depersonalize a little bit and feel like I'm playing a video game. I don't know what that is. It's just a state of mind. It's probably just a side effect of isolation. Are incels violent? I don't think they're, they're really violent, they're very meek. And when an incel attacks, it's not the same type of thing as when Dylan Roof shot up that church or when ISIS blows people up. Those are perhaps more masculine. These are like docile men who have like this bottled up thing and then it comes out as an outburst of anger. But I think that that's uncommon. People joke about killing women. That's, that, those, that's a higher percentage. People who joke about killing women. The jokes were ambiguous enough that Reddit banned its incel forum last November for Good. violating its policy against inciting violence. But incels still talk on sites with fewer rules, like 4chan and incels.me. What does Elliot Roger mean to the incel community? People look up to him, I guess, in some sense. Uh, not in the chat room I run. It's part a joke, part people look up to. And do you like the ambiguity that you can't tell whether they're joking or not? Yeah. Well, that's still... Even if they're talking about someone who killed people. Well, I don't... I think that it's part of a, a way for them to heal themselves. Maybe they feel bitter and resentful like he did. And to be able to laugh at him is a way to be able to laugh at themselves. Incels believe in a strange cosmology where a male archetype named Chad talks to women with ease 
and is rewarded with sex. Incels define themselves in opposition to this as too ugly or awkward and resent women for falling for the chads of the world. Before we came here, I told you to just be yourself. And you said that was a joke. The joke was like, uh, you know, he's some skinny loser and Chad does something awesome and he goes, hey man, how do you do it? And the guy, Chad just goes, just be yourself, man. Chad doesn't realize that, you know, his good looks or his muscles or his financial status or social status are what get, get make him successful and what uh, get him friends. He doesn't realize that. He thinks it's just his personality that does that. It's just virtue of him being him. Incels think that without a stigma on female sexuality, women will sleep with countless high-status chads, leaving the remaining 80% of men sexless and resentful. Women who have had sex with, uh, you know, 100-plus men, and now they're kind of ostracized from their communities, and they feel that they were kind of lied to by a feminist progressive society that told them it's okay to flaunt your sexuality. But it just seems kind of like a cartoon to me. Like, I, I don't actually know in my personal life many women who have slept with hundreds and hundreds of You don't? Of That's, you should interview girls 22, 23 right now and ask them how many partners they've had. It's none of your business. For all the anger directed outward toward women, there's more directed inward. Incels are dangerous, but mostly to themselves. He's gonna get his dick out, that's what he does. Gets his dick out, shits his pants. <laughs> He's shitting his pants. <laughs> Jesus what? fucking Christ, dude. This is what happens. This is why you don't get ass. Cause this stunt was one of this guy's recurring jokes. So was suicide. Oh. He died at home on July 7th. Oh my God. Coroners haven't yet ruled on a cause of death. In this subculture, people bond over self-loathing. <laughs> Joy says it's therapeutic, but four of his friends have killed themselves. Oh my God! Another one bites the dust. <laughs> wow! Okay, so now we know what incels are. <laughs> Any questions, thoughts? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think about that? That's fucking weird. You're, you're like young, you're like in your 20s. Um, I, I don't know. Is he scared to use Tinder? Um, does he have a phobia of women? I'm not entirely sure. I think Vice is just, try, is just trying to create more content. I think Vice is just keeping traction on uh, on uh, weird people on the internet. Sure. Did you, do you know that there's a new subculture of men in Japan who haven't left their house for any reason in over a year? Wow. There's like a million of them. And they're like the new millennials, and they've never, oh, they haven't have, left Have you guys ever house. looked at your that. Craigslist account? Like, when it shows your older posts, there's like pastel colors. I there was know. actually a documentary made uh, made about Craigslist and weird people on Craigslist. Uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, people That's, are, people are, because understanding mean, the incel But this culture. is, this is... <laughs> I didn't know a part, I didn't know the part about the uh, suicide, I, but, you know, hey... Another one bites the dust, like I said. What are Chad's... St I'm very interested in the, the Chad's... Incels categorize women by personal style and attractiveness. There are Stacy's and there are Becky's. Uh, I'm guessing Becky's the blondes. Stacy's and Becky's. 
Incel, the online community of involuntary celibate men radicalized by their shared mistrust of women, has existed on the internet for years, but it wasn't until Monday when a man drove a van down a street in Toronto and killed 10 people that many people were aware of his existence. This is from last year. What made the attack different from many other forms of terrorism is that Incel isn't an organized militant group united by political or religious beliefs. Its main grievance is with women's, inab- its women's ability to choose their own sexual partners. An explainer on the movement from our sister site Vox quotes J.M. Berger, an expert on the International Center for Counterterrorism in The Hague. Misogyny isn't new, and ideological misogyny isn't new. Having a, dis- uh, a distinct movement that is primarily defined by misogyny is fairly novel. Being involuntary celibate and being part of the incel community are different. Plenty of people of all genders aren't having sex with who they would like to. Yet incels see the idea of a female involuntarily celibate as an oxymoron. They believe unless a woman is severely deformed, she can have sex whenever she wants. That's kind of true. A November post on the forum incels.me gave a detailed account of the pot posters struggle as a female insult that begins with before you judge no I am not alone because I have high standards it is not voluntary no one in my entire life has ever shown any interest in me the rest of the thread is filled with posters calling the woman the original poster a liar a troll a vapid whore lonely and unloved and pig woman she was then banned from the forum It isn't surprising that in a subculture where women are considered extremely shallow, stupid, and evil, women's clothing is also deeply suspect. Incels see women as either Stacys, who are hyper-feminine, attractive, and unattainable, and only date chads, muscular, popular men who are presumed to sleep with lots of women, or Beckys, the average woman. Women, in general, are also referred to in dehumanizing terms such as femoids, or FHOs, female humanoid organism. One visual explainer describes a Becky as wearing loose baggy clothing to hide small tits or a flat ass and needing to wear super tight yoga pants to get a few looks. She allegedly carries a $5 backpack and has a nerdy bun because she thinks guys like the natural look. I'm a Becky. (laughs) Meanwhile, Stacy has a naturally curvy body with big tits and ass that give men instant erections. She has a sexy, majestic blonde hair, and her makeup is on point, and she carries a $2,000 Gucci bag and lives in luxury. I so look like a Becky. I have a bun. I'm I'm not wearing, like, baggy clothes, but... Why why Stacy look black? She's just very tan. She's very tan. She's very, very tan. Yeah, because they're not talking about us. In another iteration, (laughs) Becky is a feminist who will likely dye her hair green, pink, or blue after attending college and posts provocative pictures because she needs attention, despite being a 6 out of 10. Stacy, on the other hand, has natural blonde hair and shows off body online because she knows she can make big money off virgin losers. Wow. The Becky is a feminist, needy, needs to be dominant in the relationship. She's average. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm a San Francisco 6 baby, but I am a, I'm an Arkansas 10. <laughs> I, look, I, am, <laughs> I think there's a joke that is yeah, yeah. joke. When I was, when I was in Arkansas, the audiences were, I, I played to really large audiences. It was actually the same amount of people as here, but they're just twice the size. They're oh, like they're literally large larger. people. Yeah, they were, they were definitely in two chairs. Definitely some diabetes. I've never, I've never felt so pretty than when I went to Arkansas. I was the belle of the ball. I, I, yep, I believe. Hey, actually, you, 
in contrast, there there are not too many good looking women here in SF. I notice. There, I think there's tons. Really? They just yeah. This is very funny. It's no surprise then when some incels have called for a version of sexual Marxism or a system in which every person is somehow matched with a partner of similar level of wealth and attractiveness. Oh my god. You're good. I love the fact that you're enjoying it. Possibly be that you're not good enough. It couldn't possibly be something to do with you sitting in front of your computer, smoking cigarettes, chain smoking, smelling like an ashtray. And you know that bed got a bunch of cum and butt juice and all of it, like disheveled. Like I felt sorry for the journalist. It probably smelled like corn chips. Yeah, so insoles are virgins. I think an, an excellent urban technique would be to just go to a bar and approach a girl. Even if you yeah. are a virgin or yeah. an incel. But the problem is they don't have they the social skills. The social skills so they, they take they, they they don't take responsibility for that. Right. You and I'm a bartender, right. so yeah. I see the awkwardness of guys trying to pick up girls mm-hmm. constantly and, or like if they're on a date and you could just tell sometimes. But at least the effort went out there. These guys I don't, don't even, even think yeah. they put I don't even. The, the, the guy just mentioned that he's afraid to go outside because it's like a video game. He doesn't live in reality. Right, so right, what it seems, right. all these incels don't live in reality. And plus, who wants a dude that pisses and shits online? Right now, right. I mean, if you're gonna be a cam boy and do it for money, I mean, all power to you. Yeah. But if you're in. A, I hate women, to... but this is funny, guys. Watch, watch me shit my pants. Yeah, and then I killed myself. Oh, these guys, you know. I don't feel sorry for them. A lot of them oh. are racist, sexist, yeah. fuck faces. Which is why, I, hey, some say raise the bar, some say lower the bar. I say meet at the bar. <laughs> meet at the, the bar. bar. It is the bar. It is exactly. I and mean, have a drink, talk to a lady, and even if you—that's the thing—is if people could be more honest with themselves, and if you go out and say, hey. I'm really, I'm, this is me and I'm trying. I, I don't really know how to interact with women. And, and you kind of put it out there and say like, I'm practicing or something. Yeah. I talked to a person for a minute that Absol- was like. Absolutely. Like sometimes I, over here. I'm awkward. I'd be like, okay. Sometimes overhearing someone's conversation can give you like a green light to start engaging. But the thing is, people, again, the little screens that we are, the little mm. computers that we carry in our book help does not help with the socially awkwardness that you see more younger people have. And compare, it seems like it's slightly a little bit easier because you do have websites and apps like you said tinder you know where you don't even have to go out you can just meet that person later on you know you have that luxury compared to when i was in my early 20s tinder didn't exist i didn't start playing around until what okay cupid like five six seven years ago sure you know so this take some responsibility responsibility. or kill yourself uh do many i looked up i put an incel autistic spectrum and i got a bunch of stuff here do many of the angry incel men have asperger's and i was like "Uh, let's check it out um and oh wow no No. real asperger's means they wouldn't be that calculated with their knowledge of no sex many full functioning men are incel and angry it is far far more tough for men to get oh oh this is funny this is an answer this must be an answer from a person who has autism (laughs) it is far far more 
This is, I'm just going to read it because they have bad, bad um, English. It is far, far more tougher for men to ha- get sex than women. In some cases, this realization is far worse than being raped, for example. If you are raped or have something bad happen to you, I've been assaulted. I can at least say that my anxiety of walking alone at night has a reason. I can say I was mugged at night and I am a bit nervous at night. Same with rape. Some poor woman gets raped, it's terrible, and she doesn't trust men, for example, but she has external, solid reason for her thoughts. But incel? You are not getting something that is pushed in your face every day, and many of your friends are getting it. And then you start to question why. After following and pushing through the utter delusional bullshit advice that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, or love will happen, just be yourself, all this other external crap, if you start realizing the problem isn't something you can pin down like rape or financial crisis but rather it's you you are the problem you that man looking in the mirror is not worthy of love and affection you are unworthy you are worthless when that penny drops that's when bad stuff happens some men are happy being one woman wonders but I can't I really can feel sorry for the plethora of men who want to explore their sexuality and can't I'm one of them and it hurts me every day Sex workers are expensive too. (laughs) The thing is, when people hear these stories, you think it's stereotypical nerds or introverts that are having these problems. I'm a lead guitarist with a six pack in a band. I have a sales job by day and travel. I know some men who are millionaires, some who got their sports colors for their country, and some who are gangs, etc., that struggle with women. All this struggle and a girl from my background and body type needs to do is put a profile on Tinder and say she is open for business and she can dictate her sex life would a, more would a, than would a, would a female incel be like a girl that does like makeup tutorials or can you can no. you uh, explain a, is no. it, can an incel be a woman or? no a female incel because it, the point is to have uh, be able it's there is a study that is it is easier for women to get uh, to um, to date and to get have sex with men um, that's why you don't really have any female incels because it's the whole oh. subculture of incel is about sex and and basically it's anti-feminism it's bigotry that's what incel basically the whole correlation and the the blame game of like it's 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 that we're objects that women aren't actually people with thoughts and feelings but we simply exist to be sexual objects and to have sex with rather than having than being a real person it's the it's the yeah. complete objectification and depersonalization of women I guess, that yeah. is why it's so so misogynistic exactly <laughs> is that here's from psychology today this is what psychology today says about it the incel problem blaming and externalizing the problem the tragic death of 10 innocent lives in toronto is a reminder of the vitriol and hate stemming from a minority viewpoint known from a fringe group known as involuntary celibates or incels 25 year old alec missanian missian intentionally struck a number of people on a busy toronto street with a rental van it was charged today with 10 counts of murder and 13 counts of attempted murder police say the suspect's social media accounts message read the incel rebellion has already begun we will overthrow the Chads and Stacys. All hail Supreme Gentleman Elliot oh Roger. God. Elliot Roger was a purported incel who went on a killing rampage in 2014 near his campus of UC Santa Barbara after having written a manifesto seeking vengeance against attractive 
women for denying him sex and affection. He killed six people before shooting himself. In 2015, Chris Harper Mercer shot and killed nine people at a community college in Oregon before taking his own life. He was a self-described incel saying, here I am, 26, with no friends, no job, no girlfriend, in his own manifesto. What makes the incel community confusing is the, to the general public is many of us have gone also gone through romantic rejection, job loss, and other social challenges. So what's the difference? I believe, psychology speaking, incels believe they have no sense of control, hence the term involuntary. While we may go through phases of rejection when it comes to dating or romance, incels may feel such a sense of defeat, rejection, and unworthiness that they start to believe it themselves as being forever alone. Pussy. In my therapy practice, some of the men I have counseled have expressed expressed similar sexual frustrations. While they don't self-identify as incels, I hear the echoes of the same thread. They berate themselves for not feeling like they're dateable and become highly angry at the stereotypical attractive men and women, Chad's and Stacey's, who are seemingly able to effortlessly date and mate. Part of the process is to help validate the frustrations and grief of desiring to be romantic with another person and continually facing struggles, whether due to physical appearance, race or ethnicity, or other social challenges. From being socially awkward up to autism. So see, it is. See, I think I thought it had some autistic stuff. Once trust is built, the other challenge is helping people recognize their own role in the dynamic of rejection. This is very difficult because it's much easier to blame others than take responsibility for our own challenges. Sure, we can't change our appearance or other limitations, but we can learn to start with self-love instead of self-hatred. Self-hatred not only fuels more self-hatred but in certain profiles can lead to hating others so much that you want to see others hurt and or killed this is why i believe the incel problem isn't necessarily an external romantic issue as much as a self-image issue in short it's not society rejecting incels but incels rejecting themselves sounds about white i mean right that was written by sam louis yeah a therapist in seattle who specializes in multicultural issues and sexual uh, compulsivity and he's written a book called Slanted Eyes the Asian American Poetic Experience cool well we've definitely gone off the rails today Ugh, scary yeah so first first the government shut down and now incels well we had some good news we had some good news in the middle <laughs> we had some good news in the middle that's it's I don't know dude uh, yeah, the rage of incels. Oh, it was a New, it was a New Yorker thing. I mean, this was a big deal last year. It still is a big deal. It, it still is. It a lot of the incels too are um, part of the alt right, obviously. Oh. Yeah. So <sighs> go figure. This is a thing. It's uh, autism is no defense for cruelty. Uh, by Alex Kreese. The next time you hear someone excuse terrible male behavior with the line, oh, he's probably on the spectrum, just remember, so am I. By Alex <laughs> According to the Autism Advocacy Community, Autism Speaks, the color of autism is blue. Because if you sub- subscribe to a narrow field of the world, blue is for boys and so is autism. Even Hans Osberger, a prolific figure in the study of the condition, was dismissive of girls in his research. Today, women and individuals assigned female at birth are still underdiagnosed and experience residual invisibility due to historic male centrism. Similarly, autism is whitewashed to the extent where 
autistic people of color are rarely acknowledged in its mainstream depictions and face a whole other set of obstacles and biases in receiving support to their white counterparts. Autism activism is notorious for decentering autistic people, which is as unfortunate as it is ironic, given that less than a third, oh, this is Australian, of Australian, Australians know how to support autistic people. Nonetheless, we are rarely included as participants in an autism discourse. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I just want to hear about incels. I just assume, I'm, maybe I'm such a jerk because I, well, autism is no defense for cruelty. So they're, I guess they're going to get in. The autistic misogynist trope has recently loomed in the social media regarding Eurydice Dixon's heartbreaking rape and murder. The alleged perpetrator is reportedly autistic and struggles in a so, certain social environments. The accused lawyer has included this in his arguments for name suppression however with the with that comes the underlying connection between the neurological condition and an individual's propensity for committing atrocities while the experience of social difficulty and alienation is unfortunately standard for autistic people this case does not otherwise reflect our community in the slightest in fact we are significantly more likely to be the targets of exploitation and crime than to be perpetrators they're just saying not all when it comes to maladaptive behaviors in men autism is the go-to explanation that's funny i've never even really thought about that that and i do it too i suppose i do do that when i'm like oh they must be on the spectrum whenever anybody's weird i'm like oh they're very spectrumy like (laughs) i don't i never say that about women either i i don't know there well there we go I'm autistic. I just turned 36. The average age when people like me. I, anyways, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested if there was a connection, but maybe there isn't. Maybe just incels are just. I'm sure. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm. I don't think it's mostly an autism thing. I'm sure there are uh, some men out there that are on that spectrum, but what it seems like, and what I've read, and some of the things that you know they've talked about, like even the uh, the, the gentleman in Toronto that killed those people with the car he you know he i guess he was just a normal white canadian dude and lonely and didn't want to take responsibility they they'd said that he you know he wasn't on any kind of medication or anything like that Mm. so but i think i think it's it's (laughs) i think it's just pathetic and sad i'm i'm yeah I think you know again that that's just kind of like the environment environment that we're in right now. No one wants to take responsibility for their actions. Blame everyone else. Sure. If it's not in your personal life, it's something to do with the government and so on and so on. Yeah. You know. Well, and it's about taking personal responsibility. And and just to tag this into the to the Me Too, Too movement, I feel sort of the same way about what's how feminism is getting derailed right now yeah with the me too movement. yes thank and, you and people thank not you. and women not taking personal responsibility for, for where they are in a situation and what it's one of those things if it's three in the morning and you're drunk in a frat house maybe you should have an exit plan before midnight or maybe you should know what you're getting into yeah i hate it when they're like people, people are like well i went well then don't go to that place just just like the hip-hop clubs in the 90s like i knew that i was going to be sexually assaulted on the dance floor i knew someone was going to stick their hard dick up against my buns without me like that was just the 90s it's like <laughs> you're going to a hip-hop club in la in 1997 <laughs> you know what you're getting into and, and like People are going to dance on you. People going to get up and dance on you. You know that's going to happen. And then it's like, I'm angry about it. It's 
I think personal responsibility. Th- Where are you? Yeah. What are you consuming? That's who are you around? What's going on? I think you're absolutely right, especially talking about the Me Too movement. Because I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. Ever ever since last year when we did that story Lanzies. about yeah. yeah, and then now it's it's now it just seems like they've been cherry picking people. Mm. You know, like they did. They got they tried to get Neil uh, Tyson DeGrasse on him touching one of his colleagues' shoulders or something like that oh, or something. Man. You know, and just little. M- my just silly stuff like you're not looking at the big picture of the harvey weinsteins anymore right you're, right, right now right. you're just nitpicking finding people finding folks of like well he touched me on my shoulder inappropriately i'm like okay <laughs> i mean i i would I, I wish i i have plenty of me too stories Let's, but, uh, but I'm not going to cry about it. We'll uh, we'll do here. We'll, we'll we'll close out with this. This is the Me Too one year later by the Washington Post, and see what that's about. You guys have been listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. Doo-doo-doo. Thanks for joining us. Years since the New York Times dared to publish what had long been an open secret in Hollywood: allegations that super producer Harvey Weinstein was also a real life super predator, preying on women whose careers depended on his goodwill. In the 12 months since, countless women and men have said, me too, coming forward with horrifying stories of their own. Bill Cosby and Dr. Larry Nassar have been sent to jail for sexual assault. Weinstein has finally been charged with rape. Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly were toppled from Fox News over allegations of sexual harassment. And yet, the Senate is voting on whether or not to advance Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court, despite allegations that he assaulted women in high school and college. The way some Senate Republicans responded to the accusations against Kavanaugh made it seem like they'd just woken up from comas and had yet to be briefed on the year of Me Too. It's an unnerving moment and a reminder that the last year raised questions that we've barely started to answer. Here are three of them. One, how should we decide if people accused of sexual misconduct are guilty or innocent? If the last year has shown us anything, it's that plenty of credible allegations never make it to court. In the absence of definitive legal verdicts, we have to make up our own minds. And even if we do what some activists suggest, declaring that we believe women to make up for decades of skepticism, our judgments aren't the end of the story. Two, what's the appropriate punishment for sexual assault or harassment? And given the range of offenses that have been part of this conversation, how do we make sure the penalty fits the harm? It's one thing if a perpetrator is going to serve time, but in the absence of criminal charges, how should we treat people credibly accused of misconduct? Do we ban them from comedy clubs? If so, for how long? Do we cancel their television shows, but let them leave their networks with huge deference packages? Do we deny them seats on the Supreme Court? Three, what does contrition look like? And who gets to decide if someone accused of sexual misconduct should be forgiven? Some of the men accused in this Me Too moment have owned up to their actions and even apologized to their victims. If the people who were actually harmed forgive them, should the rest of us do the same? And how do we decide if their apologies are sincere or if any actions they take to repent are enough to make up for the damage they did? It's been a difficult but cathartic year, and though it might seem daunting, the painful stories we've heard aren't the end of this cultural shift. If we're lucky, and if change really is coming, they're only the end of the beginning. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship. 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. 
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't. <laughs> anything about it sorry all on my limited view yes every tuesday from 12 to 2 uh oh you can if you can also find us on apple Podcasts. oh yeah and google play and stitcher itunes oh you already said that tune in radio uh stitcher you said that spotify oh my god there's just so many and overcast um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Mutiny Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, 